Okay, ready? Candyman. All at once, dumbass. Candyman. 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 Not today. Not today. Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff, and this week we are also joined by a guest. If you are listening at the end of last episode, you might have already heard our little introduction for him. But Chance, if you'd like, I'm going to go ahead and give you the chance to introduce yourself. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, I'm Chancellor Agard. Um, I'm a writer for Entertainment Weekly who does not cover horror movies. Again, I'm here. So Yes, yes. Um, And we love this for you. (laughs) The Jack of all trades. Um, but we know you through our friend, Devin, who also works at Entertainment Weekly. She introduced us. Um, and, you know, whenever we're chatting with friends about the pod, we always kind of just do a like, oh, well, if you ever wanted to be on, like, what kind of movie would you want to do? And you said that you would want to do Candyman. And we had to break the news that we had already covered it. Um, but I told you, you, yeah, that when the new Candyman came up on the docket, it was your moment to shine um but in our in our pre-chat before we started recording um I discovered that you don't like this movie is that would you say that that's fair (laughs) it is it is a movie I have problems with and and yet I have seen it three times okay so twice for work though so that does that it was like it counts your brain absorbed it so my choice was not taken into account um but uh but yeah, no, I like, I, yeah, it's, it was not what I was expecting. I'll say you, that. you wish you were on the original Candyman recording. That's okay. I feel like we're going to talk about both because they're so involved with each other. Um, this movie was really marketed as a spiritual sequel to the original 1992 Candyman. Um, there were two actual sequels to the 1992 Candyman and a Screen Rant article that I read said that it doesn't necessarily negate them the existence of this movie like they didn't rewrite the canon of those necessarily it's just not relevant so it's like Mm -hmm. you can buy into it or you don't have to it doesn't matter um but there are a lot of callbacks in this movie to the original um and there's kind of this like conversation with the lore of the original that's really interesting yeah um and I my my process um for this particular episode getting ready was I watched Candyman this the new one yesterday and then I read a bunch of articles about it and then I re-watched the 1992 Candyman earlier today and then I watched the new Candyman again so I have both like very fresh in the brain Damn. And I had like lots of thoughts about She's the old prepared. Candyman. I I know, right? Yeah, I'm Chelsea is an overachiever. Today. Not always, but today I was. Um, 
but I had a lot of thoughts about the old Candyman in context of this new one. Um, I don't know. Have any of you guys, I know Monica, you'd seen it before chance. You said you've seen it three times already. Um, did you at any point watch the old Candyman after having seen the new one? I watched it before I saw the new one. Okay. But you didn't I writing, like. I was, working, I was working a story on black history. I'm sorry, I'm black, on black horror movies. And so mm -hmm. I was like, gotta watch Doesn't Candyman. Talk about horror, but he wrote yeah. a whole article gotta. about it. Okay. Well, it was one. It was one. And it was. <laughs> I watched I was, your interview. Yeah, I found I, your interview because I was like, what? What did he say? Um, wait, which one? Okay, never mind. You did an interview with like three different um, directors, I think. Oh, for New York Comic Con. Okay, copy, copy, copy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, which one of my amazing repertoire? I just can't keep up straight anymore. Okay, toot your own horn. We're very self-loving. Yeah, we very toot toot our horns all the time over here. So you're welcome to do the same, or we'll toot it for you. This is a safe space for tooting. Gross. Anyway, Candyman. Uh <laughs> the original, yeah. I know. I I watched it again. I my I came into this like knowing nothing but horror mm -hmm. and not being injured in horror. And I watched the original game and I was like, this is good. Like it was better. I, again, I had no idea what to expect from it. Okay. I've, like never thought like just, was nothing that was on my radar. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is fine. It's 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 a weird movie. Like I mm -hmm. like I I I yes. never <laughs> understood. I mean, it's funny. I had this thought and then I was like, maybe I'm being too stupid. And then I watched that documentary on Shudder, uh, Horror Noir, that's like about mm. the history of black horror that Jordan Peele, and they like, someone brought up, I thought like, it's a weird movie though. Cause it's like, why is this like victim of racial violence, Candyman hunting black people when, yeah. like, and that was the like, thing that always yeah. sort of just like, we a weird thing about this really well done movie. And then I was like, oh, that was like, oh, so I wasn't misreading it. I was like, that's a weird thing in this script. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked on our original Candyman episode about how we thought it was like a very, very successful, scary movie, um, but it was also trying to be a movie about race and it was extremely less successful on that front, not mm. least because it was written by white men and adapted by an English guy's story that didn't have black people in it. Um, and so and it, it was just from was a not... white woman's perspective. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It, it wanted to say something about race, but it was not about Candyman's story. It was about Helen and it was about their relationship. Um, and so like it tried to have commentary and it just was not super, like one of the articles that I read, Monica, you might have read the same one, but I don't remember which one it was from. Was it the Hollywood Reporter one? Um, I read the Hollywood Reporter one and I also read one from like the Atlantic and I read one from blah, 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 like a bunch of them. Um, but I think it was. You guys, Chelsea read a lot of articles. I did She's my homework this time, which is wild. I, I, I was because I watched it twice. I was like, oh yeah, like, let me just show off. Um, I think it's because <laughs> my brain was so exploded on our last episode that I was like let me really be prepared this time um but one of the articles basically says like the in the 90s acceptable commentary on race was just to be like we know that we're trying or whatever like they just have <laughs> they position Helen as a white woman as the central figure it's her story 
but she says at some point they only care because I'm a white woman they wouldn't care if I was black and it's like yay gold star that was enough or like they thought that that was enough um of commentary um they tried so, yeah like okay well things um, haven't changed though true no. <laughs> um and you know I I think that's what's interesting though um I I'll do like the proper introduction in a second where I read the IMDb tagline for you guys um but what I think the conversation primarily was about the new Candyman is that it was like the black community had really embraced Candyman the 1992 movie but was like this wasn't made by us or really for us we're just it was still just like a central moment of black characters and black stories being on screen and so there was like an embrace of that in a way because of that but then this movie was about like reclaiming the narrative entirely and I think you see that both in who handled the movie and also in what they want Candyman to be in the movie um but let me pull up IMDb for you so that you know what we're talking about. Um, if you haven't seen the new Candyman, um, it is by director Nia DaCosta. It's not directed by Jordan Peele. A lot of people think that, um, but he was a producer. Wow. I know. Um, and the IMDb logline is a sequel to the horror film Candyman 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. That sucks somebody should rewrite that on there that's not intriguing at all that doesn't tell me anything about the movie the setting i will say they were very cagey about giving a synopsis like when we was true that's true true. like the trailer basically like spoils the movie too oh yes (laughs) pick one or the other but um because wait because it shows anne-marie is that why or why it just gives away just too much like did you watch the trailer before you saw the movie or after uh, i did i watched it before because um and then i was hyped for this and then i was like oh this gives away way too much but i watched the trailer trailer before dropped so i haven't watched it but i was like this like I don't know, you kind of get a whole aspect of, like, the movie. Like, I don't know. I don't like Well, I mean, I feel like um, if you are pay attention to names and you watch the 1992 one mm-hmm. um, and you you really watched it really hardcore, um, you already know that Yaya, yeah, 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 that's how you say his name, right? I'm, yes, Yaya Abdumatin II. Oh, my God. Oh, the second. He's so beautiful. I love him. He's that's you know the most horrifying thing in this movie besides every oh part of it God, is yes. how he is the most beautiful man that has ever walked on this earth, and then slowly and very subtly that changes. Um, that is my least favorite trope in media is when they do the grossification of a hottie because <laughs> <laughs> the grossification of a hottie. May I just say that they did it to Mohinder on Heroes. Tropes. They put it on TV Tropes right now. They did it to Mohinder, Mohinder. on Heroes. Yeah. He was the sexiest ass man on that show. Possibly one of the most beautiful men on this earth. And then they were like, what if he was a slimy little lizard? And it's like, why? <laughs> why does he Bro. have to be a slimy oh. little lizard? I Nobody mean, wants that. They I literally introduced Yaya in this movie. They're, 
Nathan Stewart Jarrett yells at him at one point and is like, put down the weights and pick up a paintbrush. And it's like, yeah, because he's like so yoked and tight and he jumps the fence at one point and there's this shot of him and it's literally like Marvel movie titties. You know what I mean? Like he has <laughs> Avenger level pecs. Yeah. No, he's and got he just looks so physique. stunning. And then they're like, let's make him, his skin gets turned to honeycomb. Why? What for? No, no, Tony no that's one of the best. That is one of the best parts of the movie for me because I fucking love, like, I'm obsessed with, with like the makeup, the practical effects in mm-hmm. horror films. Like, I just, when it's done well, it makes me so happy. And this was done so well because you're like mesmerized at the beginning of the film by his everything about him, um, including that cool freckle he has in his eye. That's cool. I think about that a lot. Anyway, he has an um, eye freckle. Yeah, it's like you right to the side of his eye. And it's like his whatever what? the color part. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, please. The color his of cool. his eye <laughs> goes a little bit outside the circle. I looked into his eyes a lot. Maybe oh, somebody... makeup, but I don't think so because I've seen it in other films that he's been in. But maybe it's a, a long held hallucination that I have. And now I'm second no, guessing it's, myself. It's, no, it's definitely that. It's just his eye. Okay. Some people okay, have them. Yeah. His eye freckle. Chelsea has done for this. I uh-huh. watched this movie for the first time and only time uh, this morning after driving three hours violently hungover. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It balances but anyway, out. We're getting some great perspectives here. <laughs> well, Sydney, he has an eye freckle. Here's That's the update. Um, but it's just the, the makeup is comes so slowly and so subtly that first you're like, what? what <laughs> it's just like so he looks maybe maybe sweatier right now than he had looked at he hasn't been sleeping we know that but then slowly you realize that it's just his whole half of his body is deteriorating um it's so well done but and unexplained and unexplained um i think something rushed like it feels yeah, really fast the thing which, is, which is like I don't think they convey the passage of time very well in this movie because when he goes to the interview with Finley, the journalist or the art critic, whatever, she says something like, it's been a weird couple of weeks, but like, I I didn't get the sense that it had been several weeks at that point. No. So I think no. in theory and the chronology of time passing, it would be slow, but they're not giving it to us slow. So it's happening fast yeah. for us perceiving it. But I also just, like, don't get his transformation into, like, because, like, Coleman Domingo, who, like, mm-hmm. goat oh tier actor. Um, Amazing. Just, like, the most beautiful sounding voice also oh, just God. has to be said. I, dude, Tony I, Todd's. I, I watched, like, his Euphoria episode, like, the, the oh. Rue, like, yeah, solo I, episode in the diner. Oh, his blew me away. Anyway. But, I just like, watched that it's, three days ago, so I feel you. Anyway, continue. It's <laughs> unclear, like, did he know, like, did he plan this? Or, like, did he pick up on what's happening? I don't, like, also, like, why? I don't know. I just, I just said way too many questions uh-huh. about, like, the how of his plan than I should have. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, like, like, I'm usually one who's, like, does not care about plot holes. I'm, like, whatever. But this, this movie is, like. <laughs> You have, have to holes. for you to like the shows what? that you like that I don't like sometimes, though. That's just a little uh, okay. shade wow. about Agents wow. of the World. Wow. 
Wow. That's just our little Agents of Shield. Bringing discourse. up old beef. Chance and I starting our Agents of Shield podcast spinoff show some other time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh my god! But well, okay, I, have you seen other Jordan Peele movies? Um, yes. Like, not that this is necessarily him, but I read this one article. Um, this was the Hollywood Reporter one, and it thought it was really interesting. I'm going to read a quote from it. The person who wrote this to shout them out is. Richard Newby. Good job. Um, he said that um, the exact means through which um, things are achieved aren't that important, much in the same way that the question of how the tethered were created in us or how consciousness is supplanted and get out. Horror that carries Jordan Peele's name is horror born of emotion and metaphor rather than clearly dictated logic. Things happen beyond our understanding and in some ways it's more frightening that th- in that form of horror. Um, and so I, I read that and I was like, that's so true because Chelsea and I've had conversations about us in the past where we're like, why, you know, and there's never like a, why it just kind of like is, and we're like, how, and I guess we're supposed to just be like, okay, it's fine. Sure. Jordan. <laughs> Here's yeah. Some- but I guess my problem with that, sorry to me. Mm-hmm. Off. Wait, you, no, wait. please. You go chance. No, it's okay. So my problem with that though, is that like, I think, I think that's also just for the highlights for me for the highlights, how much of a disappointment this came in movie. Because I think in those movies, I didn't question any of that, you know? Okay, okay, fair, fair, I was, fair. I, I, I accepted it because I think, like, the the filmmaking and the writing was up to the task of handling sort of, like, the themes that those movies were dealing mm-hmm. with. Whereas in this movie, I think it just gets so muddled, you know, where it's like, and it, you, you can't help but ask those questions, especially yeah. if you have Coleman Domingo delivering a bad guy speech you know like you want <laughs> great <answers>. monologue though <laughs> here's the, great, what i think great, performed great yeah uh-huh. yes <laughs> this little the like stutter thing that he ha- yeah. gets very good very spooky <laughs> i think um the thing that doesn't need to be explained is the physical transformation with the the honeycomb etc um and i think you can kind of, in a way, just trace that back to the original bee sting. Um, yeah. When Anthony is walking around the old Cabrini Green like mm-hmm. houses, um, the the flats. I forget what those are called, as opposed to the high rises. Um, but when he's in that area of the the old complex, um, that's kind of I think when that begins. That's where it spreads from. Um, I think that that is separate from William Burke's decision to create a new Candyman. I think that they're two separate things. Um, And I think my theory is kind of like, they're not unrelated, but one did not cause the other. in, in reflection on the first Candyman, you have to go looking for Candyman. You have to invite Candyman yes. into your life, essentially. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and Helen goes looking for Candyman, like mm-hmm. not just with the saying his name in a mirror, but she's actively like investigating. She's doing her research on urban legends. She's getting stories from the freshmen who are hearing just like the local lore Um, And then she's investigating further when she speaks to Kitty and Henrietta, who are the cleaning ladies um, who are working in the building and just like overhear her transcribing. Um, And then they come in to tell their stories. And then she goes to Cabrini Green um, and you don't really start to see it like 
penetrate her life in a meaningful way until she climbs through the mirror into the quote unquote like Candyman nest layer. whatever layer layer you, that's the word I couldn't find it for a second nest, I nest is not quite right hive, but maybe. it's so close um, like hive hive sure the theme is bees okay please the theme is bees. come on <laughs> um but she climbs through um and it's really the moment where she like goes out of the mouth um and finds the candy um and she there's like a flash there or something I think where you get like a flash of Candyman maybe or or throughout the rest of the movie you're getting like flashes of that mural um and so that is really the moment where she's inviting it in it's not just the mirror which she has already done at that point it's that she's like actively searching and it's for Anthony I think um he's actively going to Cabrini Green he's investigating further um and he's the one that's introducing it into his life by by doing that like he gets the story vocal folklore like in the exact same way it really mirrors that um Mm -hmm. with Nathan Stewart Jared in the beginning and the first time I watched it I did not appreciate how that was introduced I was just like they randomly are just like here's a ghost story um and then the second time I was like oh they're doing like a little real estate conversation and obviously realtors know all about all the local murders oh yeah because you gotta mm-hmm. if you're selling places and that's why he was like don't live here it's haunted because this is basically cabrini green um yeah. well, well wait before you get too far away oh, from sorry. what you were we're just saying though uh-huh. i i disagree it, about like hit him inviting it into his life like yes he's definitely going to look for it but i if i recall correctly doesn't helen not start like see i mean you don't see tony todd as Candyman until like 50 minutes into the first Candyman, so it's pretty late too long yeah too long we need more of him he's incredible um that voice oh geez sorry it's like it's in my mind i hear it all the time that sounds insane um but (laughs) doesn't she not experience like him more involved in her life until she summons him like they don't have that meeting where he's like really there until she's already said Candyman five times you know right right but i think um it's like she gets the stories they do Candyman in the mirror. She goes to Cabrini Green and then she yes. hears th- the story after that from um, Ben Franklin at dinner. Yeah. Okay. Well, still, still that. Okay. Then that my point still stands because I was watching this movie again yesterday and I was like, it's not, I forgot the twist. Here's the thing about me, Chance. I forget movies, even though I've seen them before. It's and gone. before, it, yeah, it's before I gone. watched Candyman, I knew that Anthony was the kid from the bonfire in the first one. I knew that going into it, like when it was in pre-production, mm-hmm. I forgot. And then I went and saw the film and <sighs> was shocked once again, cause I'm dumb and I forget things. And then the same thing with this, I forgot that again. So I was like, why is this bee? Because the bee sting is what causes his whole horrifying transformation. I was like, this motherfucking bee is attacking him before he's even summoned Candyman. And I'm like, and then I figured it out on the second watch this morning. I was like, oh, it's because he's the kid and he was always supposed to be Candyman's chosen victim, the horrible way that they phrase it, he always says. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so like the second he was back on that, on that land, the bees were like, the child returns and immediately started the thing in process. Cause I was like, he didn't even actually do the dumb thing where he summoned Candyman yet. And so I was like, not fair for one, but I don't know. That's what, what pissed me off at first. I guess my question about the whole chosen victim thing though, um, is I think that quote comes from Anne-Marie, the mom, right? Um, chosen, right? Yes. Something no? like that. She, she mm. mentions it in, in this, in the 2021 yeah. Candyman. Yeah. She says he chose you to be one of his victims. He wanted you to burn in that fire, but she pulled you out and gave you back to me. Um, I thought it ended that night in the fire. I thought she ended it and we vowed to never say his name again, but someone broke the pact, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was Burke. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was Burke. He broke the pact. Um, but I guess my question is, what does that mean though? He chose you to be his victim because something I don't think that I considered when we did Candyman the first time around is like, what is the purpose of taking the baby? Um, because I thought it was yeah, just- I don't know. <laughs> well, here's what I think. Um, I thought it was just blackmail at first um, because, and here's my, here's my whole theory actually on the Daniel Robitaille Candyman. Let me break it down for a second because that's the only Candyman we get in the first movie and in the original two sequels. And then they introduce more Candyman, if you will. And I want to discuss how that ties in. Um, and I think fits with the original canon in a way. Um, but that's the only Candyman we get is the Daniel Robitaille Candyman, even though he doesn't have a name in the first movie. He's just Candyman. Um, but his whole thing kind of is that you say his name five times in a mirror, he guts you, and then he just moves on with his life or afterlife, whatever, if you will. Um, but then when Helen does it, he doesn't show up right away. It's really delayed. And then he starts coming to her like in flashes as he's trying to let, if you ask me, if he's trying to like trigger memories. Um, and then eventually when he does come to her, he's like, be my, it's a seduction. He's like, be my victim. Come yeah. join me. Be team candy man. You got to die, unfortunately. Um, but essentially he's just saying, I was killed so that we couldn't be together. Um, and now you are here again. You're the same person you've been. What's the word for when you are born? And Reincarnated. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it was only like a hundred years. So maybe he literally just had to wait for the original lady to die and be reborn as Helen. Um, but I think arguably that whole stretch of time when he was just being a monster, the lore is that he has to keep like the rumors alive or he'll disappear. Um, so he can't, I, I don't, I blah, 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 whatever. Um, he needs to keep doing murders that whole time to keep the lore alive while he's waiting for Helen to finally summon him and like invite him into her life in a way. Um, so that whole time doing murders is him just waiting for her and so I thought kidnapping the baby was just so that she would come to him, quote unquote, willingly, if you will. He's taken away everything else. So not really willingly, um, but so she would come to him and he could sacrifice her or kill her or whatever. Um, but then she goes to him, he gives her the bee kiss and then the baby's out in the fire the and he's going to kill the baby anyway. Um, but now what I kind of think that I didn't consider then is that like, she was pregnant when 
he Daniel Robitaille was murdered. So like, did he want that to be their yes, baby? Is it says there? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. He wanted it to be their baby. Because we're gonna have a cute thought, little family. Because once they're both dead, they can't have a baby. You know, I don't think they, they can gotta change take the baby that with them. Yeah. So they're taking the baby with them to live in. I don't even know in that cool hive slash lair. So in that way, he's kind of already been like touched by Candyman, pulled into the Candyman world, and then Helen like shoves him back out. That's Candyman's baby. Well, and then he's also been touched by Helen because she saved him. And Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. of Anthony as an adult. He is a painter, which uh, Daniel Robitaille was, and uh-huh. he's taking like a bunch of pictures and stuff, which is exactly what yes, Helen was doing. A clear too. reference. Mm-hmm. Ooh, good point, Sydney. Yeah, that's their baby. Yeah. Sorry, Anne Marie. <laughs> right, but I, I, to me, at first, I was kind of like, okay, is he killing Helen? But he's creating a new Candyman with this baby, or is like the baby gonna be a little ghosty ghost with them? Um, but I think that's that's it's kind of just like a parallel path like he was always going to become a candy man but he needed to go looking for it and invite it in that way even though he didn't do the name in the mirror thing he was touched enough by it already that just going to cabrini green was enough for the lord to be like okay now you're in and you're an adult and you're choosing to engage with this the process can begin well yeah it hadn't been so long that Candyman's spirit had died away. Also because, well, actually, how old's Burke? I the Burke thought stuff that... happened before yeah. the what happened in Candyman 1992, for sure. Because that's I... just how old he is. I was like in the Yes, 70s. it was 1977. Yeah. Um, yeah. I <laughs> thought that the Daniel Robitaille Candyman, I thought he was like defeated at the end of the original Candyman, although I guess the existence of the two sequels says, no, that's not true. Although I think the timeline are kind of wonky with those. Because an article that I read, didn't it say that one of them takes place in like 2020? Also, one of them like takes place like not, they think both of them don't even take place in Chicago, right? (laughs) He's just like bouncing around, chilling. Oh, the other Candyman? Candyman? Well, something that I thought that was really interesting, and I think it was also in that Hollywood Reporter article, is that they kind of set up this lore that like, the Candyman, like all the Candymen, obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, they all exist at one time, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they died at different times, but like the Candyman story that you hear first is the Candyman you're going to get. So Burke's Candyman is Sherman, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore Anthony's Candyman. I mean, he literally saw Tony Todd, but he was a little infant baby. So he forgot just like how I forgot that he was the baby in the movie you know same thing um but like that when he learns about Candyman in this film he learns about sherman and that's why we see sherman um every single time that he has a vision of Candyman. um and i thought that was really interesting i liked that as part of the lore i just thought it was nice i just thought it, I thought it was, was a good practical nice. choice also yeah because i think if they did well, de-age yeah. tony todd the whole time It'd that would have like, been weird. So That'd distracting. Would have been super weird. It was really good at the very end, for yeah. sure. For one Sexy, second, yeah. Wonderful. Um, but what? Sorry, you were gonna say something, Sydney. Oh, I was gonna say in the original Candyman, they do kind of set up like the like ability for multiple Candy Men because we see Helen at the very end, kind of yeah. becoming oh, yeah. a Candyman in her own right. 
mm-hmm. like when she gets uh Trevor and oh, Trevor you know mistress who was yeah you know Stacy and, so, and yeah, that giant paperclip would have fit in so well on the walls oh of his apartment chance there's a giant paper clip on the wall in the first candy man and chelsea wouldn't shut up about it it's been a year it's so cool. obsessed with it but it is helen hilarious. is summoned by her name helen um mm-hmm. but what i think is interesting about the other candy men is that the candy connection of it all is never explained in the 1992 one there just is candy and helen finds a little pile of candy and one of them has a razor blade in it and she pricks her th- finger um with her gloves on and they do the whole sweets to the sweet thing but they don't explain it um and i don't know if they do in Candyman two or three but i think that existence and then tying that into the sherman fields backstory is kind of what is able to like marry the two and yeah like enables it to be like all along there were these other candy men which is why the lore is like kind of confusing or doesn't fully fit any particular one particularly Daniel Robitaille Mm -hmm. um so it makes sense to me how it kind of and it also makes sense how there would be like so many different versions of the urban legend although obviously the one we see in the opening of the 1992 one I think we see Tony Todd when the student is telling Helen about the babysitter um, who invited mm. over the bad boy that she was going to fuck. Um, and then his hair turned white because he was so scared. Um, <laughs> sorry, as you can tell, again, very fresh in my mind. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to create space is that they built that backstory kind of around the information that was there but sort of left over from the originals Mm -hmm. Um, yeah no they made it they made they made that work i was i accepted that there are many candy men and i that was part of the movie that i i really liked a lot i just i also liked the theme of just storytelling in in general and how important like the stories that are told about you are like especially like in this community like just in general, there are like horrible stories like told about Cabrini Green and made it seem like maybe a worse place than it was and that sort of thing. And like how these stories like all have weight and can create things like the stories can create realities. Um, I thought that that they did a good job of extrapolating on that theme in the movie. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because there was this one bit of dialogue in the movie that I went and looked up um, opening her notes. Yeah, I'm, let me <laughs> control um, I did. I control F girl X because it's the part in the beginning where um, Anthony has first gone to the laundromat with William Burke and mm-hmm. he's getting like more info. And William Burke says, home sweet home. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, and then he says, ask the white people around here about girl X, Dontrell Davis, blank stairs, one white woman dies in the hood and the story lives on forever. Um, and Girl X and Dontrell Davis were real people, children, um, who really were killed at Cabrini Green. Um, girl X was like a nine-year-old girl who was attacked and, oh, well, she she didn't die. Um, and the only, I went looking for her. There's like an old article about her that no longer exists on like the Chicago Tribune or whatever. I had to read about what happened to her in an article about how she met some singer, um, which was, yeah, jar- jarring to say the least. 
Um, Jennifer Hudson. It was Jennifer Hudson. Um, but Girl X was a nine-year-old girl, girl who was attacked. Um, and then there was like a whole lawsuit afterwards against the housing council basically saying like you didn't have any protections in place like this person just wandered into an empty apartment and like got materials from the empty apartment that were part of what they used in the attack um and then Don Child Davis was a seven-year-old who was killed um accidentally shot as just like part of gang violence and then his death led to like a three-year-long truce in between the the various gangs at Cabrini Green. Um, so it's interesting that they do do the whole power of a story thing, but they're also doing, but what story is it that gets told? What story is it that sticks? Um, they explicitly say, the mom says at the end, like, oh, we put a ban on Candyman's name. That's why Candyman mm-hmm. disappeared for so long after the 90s. Um, but obviously there's like these other stories that are taking the place. If Candyman only exists when there's lore, and I guess I wonder if like confirmation of Candyman would complicate that lore. Like it has to be rumor. Um, that would also explain like why he has to kill people who do confirm to see him. Um, but th- when the lore dies out, some of the articles that I was reading um, were saying when the lore dies out, he just goes away he doesn't have power which is also why he's like not really weak enough to exist outside of mirrors and reflections in this movie in the same way that he does in the 1992 movie because in the 1992 Mm -hmm. movie he's like really there oh Bernadette sees him um for one that's a good point and then in this movie he's making his comeback this is comeback tour yeah yeah yeah. he's like back tour there's just not much for him to go on until Anthony really does the whole say my name stuff um, and gets the lore going and is explicitly going out of his way to be like, everybody go in the mirror and say Candyman's name and tell all of your friends and put this on the news and then everyone can hear about it. Um, And he writes like explicit directions in his artist statement about his piece at the museum. Um, And Mm -hmm. yes, I did write that whole thing down too. Um, (laughs) But that's really like what starts to fuel it and get the ball rolling, which again is why it's so like Anthony centered as well. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. I know that we have gone past the beginning, but I can't not say something about this because I geeked. Um, one of the, I didn't rewatch the 1992 one, but of course we remember the opening shot of the 1992 Candyman because mm, yes. it was like yeah, yeah, such yeah. an iconic scene. One of the first like aerial shots of a city shot oh, in that yeah. way. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like technological Has update technological or whatever. advancements. Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. With the amazing music. The music was still really great in this one. And I'm glad they brought back the theme song, but I wanted it mm-hmm. all the time. But probably for the best that we didn't have it all the time anyway so that's like an over you're looking over Chicago Mm -hmm. in in that opening sequence but in this one it's like from the ground up you're like from the ground you're seeing the buildings like rise out of the smoke and one of the articles I read said that like it's an interesting parallel because like before like like we were talking about earlier Candyman 1992 is like from a white woman's perspective so it's like an overview looking at like Cabrini Green looking at all these these stories and this is now kind of like coming from within so coming from within Cabrini Green coming Mm -hmm. from the ground like and and I thought that was really 
smart and awesome and genius. And I love themes, you know, it's just beautiful to see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was interesting about the intro though, too, to me is that in the original, um, it has the overview of the city, but then you see like all of the bees on screen and it has the Candyman voiceover. So like, you don't see Tony Todd for a long time, but it introduces you to Candyman immediately. Yeah. Mm. And you see all the bees swarming and he says his whole, what's blood, if not for shedding with my hook for a hand, I'll split you from the groin to your gullet. And then he says, I came for you and it fades in on Helen. So it makes it really clear from the beginning, like what we're dealing with and who, who we're focusing on. Um, And then in this one, it does actually, it has the the mirrored production cards in the beginning. Yeah. I thought, was interesting um and I noted it when I saw it um but apparently people thought that it was an accident like a projection accident in theaters at first well but I then I think that it could have been used a little more clearly or a little better by having some sort of mirror in the beginning moment you know what I mean um and I don't know how that would have happened exactly, but they do the shadows on the wall from Williams Paper Dolls is the first actual shot of the movie. So I think you could have had something with that, like the way he didn't use a projector, he just had little puppets and a light. Um, but like projections use mirror images, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you guys remember math class from our youth, they don't do this in schools anymore, but math class in our youth, you had to get like the clear paper to go on the the projector and then the uh, yeah does that yeah. ring bells yeah um so I think they could have done something with the mirror in the beginning that would have been I think really fun to see really interesting to see but they didn't they didn't do that but is it okay wait no this isn't right at all um but I for a second I was like are we inside the mirror are we can <laughs> 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 a zoom out from inside the mirror or from a reflection would have been a great opening shot but um that was just not the case um yeah, although I, I did like the puppets I thought the puppets were cool and oh, I thought it was an puppets interesting are great. the puppets um, puppers the puppets, puppets were really cute actually I loved all the puppies in this movie no the puppets were gorgeous because I read an interview with Nia DaCosta and she was Mm -hmm. like yeah like we weren't gonna do one flashbacks to the original film because ew and two like we don't need to have more like gratuitous violence of towards black people like depicted Mm -hmm. on screen so it's a way to like show it but in a less horrifying way yeah I also love that it was uh like reference referential to Kara Walker's art like I love her art and Mm -hmm. it's very 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 the exact same kind of themes and stuff and depicting similar type of of scenarios so I thought that was cool too it also a little bit reminded me of um Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows (laughs) (laughs) how dare you just to step it back uh to a (laughs) not just to put it back on the our level (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, I will say having just watched them back to back it is interesting though because they don't show like any violence in the original 1992 one, basically at all, they show the aftermath of violence and they show people hearing about violence. So like when you hear about all of the Candyman stuff, you just see Helen listening to it. Um, mm-hmm. 
And when all of the the violence happens, it kind of happens off screen. And part of that is to make you go like, okay, is it in Helen's head or is it not in Helen's head? But they don't show any of it on screen. And then the the Daniel Robitaille backstory, you get more of when Helen goes into the Candyman layer and then climbs up into another level of the Candyman layer. So again, you're getting these multiple rooms and the candy was in one and the Daniel Robitaille stuff was in another. So again, that's kind of very like, the different candy men um but then you see the murals on the wall so i think it's interesting that both have taken these very very different routes where they don't show the violence but then this movie did show a lot of violence um yeah just against white people though yes and then yeah yeah fair <laughs> sure Thank um, God. well i mean all the wait, white wait, wait, people wait, actually, who... wait sorry wait, wait you go. can i, can I, can I, can I uh-huh. this is like the most like why did the girl hook the other guy into her paint? Like, is that the people for do? the drama? <laughs> you don't know about I, that. I don't know. Don't is know it a king thing? thing? Is it a king? I don't know. Well, don't she's know. into I chains mean, already, so she likes to use like, them. Not like for show. You know, Jerica. Uh, she loves Joy Division. Okay. Yeah. Jerica's a horrible name. She has a new <laughs> Jerica. Yeah. That sounds unfortunate she's so annoying yeah yeah i mean it's a name anything is be a name that's true um she's i don't know i was i had no objection to her except for the fact no shut up um i (laughs) how dare you bring my notes into this um she she said to mainly because she was fucking clive she had yeah, like, nothing no. else going on other than that. Yeah. Other than no, really she really just... platform boots because she sank like four inches when she kicked her shoes off. Um, and she's got a, a a little clippy on her belt ready to clip onto anyone else. I don't know. I guess it was mainly there just so that he couldn't run away as fast. Um, but it certainly <laughs> was an unfamiliar object to me. And I <laughs> was like, is that a thing? <laughs> is that what Gen Z's into? Probably. She isn't Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she's just she's just an alt girl with chains on her pants. You know what I mean? Good for her. Um, not good for her for fucking a horrible man. He sucks so bad. In oh, man, I loved the depiction of the art world in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was so mean and messed up. Um, and uh I also loved when Yaya, or excuse me, Anthony called oh, the one film crick, critic, critic, excuse me, critic isn't the word, uh-huh. um, a goofy motherfucker, something like that. What did he call? <laughs> oh my God. Is Jameson. Jameson, yes. Also, I love that actor. Ha- shout out to Hacks, if anyone's seen Hacks. He's oh, amazing haven't. in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. That's, I like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the art world conversations were oh, very God, right oh yeah oh, okay. oh it's just yeah. carl carl clemens something that is not showing on imdb hopkins yeah they, hopkins yeah. oh sorry mm-hmm. yeah there yeah. sorry no i i just read it so that's why i was saying oh no no no. that's good to know carl i'm sorry they um uh, but carl is a beautiful person also there's just mm-hmm. a lot of very attractive actors in this and i wish there was more carl in this movie but probably for the best that there's not more carl or he, they probably would have been killed so <laughs> well but candy man this time around didn't have 
any black victims at all i think there was like one black girl in the bathroom with the four other teenagers but she wasn't she one of the die. people who said Candyman. yeah and then the scene cuts mm-hmm. out so i think it's implied that she lives although i guess i wouldn't be shocked if she had died but i don't think she's supposed to have i don't think there, she, I don't there, think there are two uh i think two black little girls who die um they are burke's sister and her friend oh yes. Yeah, so they they get yeah, killed yeah, yeah. by by Sherman's Candyman um, mm-hmm. in one of the flashbacks. Okay, that's actually super interesting to me. Yeah, the yeah. movie undercuts its own message. Well, yeah. but I think you could kind of argue that it doesn't in the sense that that was 1977, so that was the different timeline, um, or at least that was pre, and it's like this new Candyman that's coming back, if you think that William Burke was instrumental in some way in bringing it back, he has a different vision for what Candyman is, Um, and so I think you can start to parse out, like, when does the new Candyman lore begin? Um, Because that was part of the legacy of the Candyman pre-1992, um, where the majority of the victims were Black. It seemed like Helen was really kind of one of the first, other than the babysitter in the beginning of the 1992 movie. Although, again, it's like, did that even really happen? Or was that just urban legend? It's one of those things where it's like, a babysitter in her home, that's like a spooky email that goes around. And then it's like, forward to five of your friends, or Candyman's coming for you. You know what I mean? Um, but... So I think that is question. part of that. Wait, enduring- question. What? Yeah. Uh-oh. What? Okay, this is completely off topic. Sorry. No, okay. do it. No, do please. it. Um, Say it. Does this count as a mirror? Like, how do we keep saying Candyman? And we've said it more than Dude, five times. I was just fucking thinking about that. <laughs> shush. Shush, 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 shush. Don't. <laughs> it has to be in a row, right? It has to be in a row. I guess I- so, yeah. There no, are okay, sometimes where they say words in between, but I was also thinking about that because there's that whole, the Beetlejuice musical has that whole song where for him, you have to say the words back to back. You can't have any words in between or it doesn't count. And I don't think that's the case with this. No, that's, but, wow, that's just them trying to negate the great community bit then. Yes, but also it's a very fun bit for this song because it really enables Lydia to like play. That's her name, right? Lydia? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It enables her to play with it by being like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, because blah, 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 where she's like baiting him a billion Mm. times. And he's like, ah! Yeah. She's she's edging him. I I think it has to be in a row, but here's the thing that tripped me up in the movie. And we're not going to talk about the end yet. Just this one little part about the end. When (laughs) um, Brianna, right, at the very end uh, is saying Candyman's mm-hmm. name into the rearview mirror with the cop. She only says it four times, and then the cop says it the fifth time, if I counted correctly. Yes. Per and that, that did it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I thought everyone had to say it themselves five times, but just five times in a row with a group, you know, then, then, of, then it'll still happen. Some of the articles that I read suggested that she only says it four times. And it's not that the cop says it for the fifth time. It's that she said it into the mirror earlier in Anthony's studio. And then he breaks the mirror. But she actually mm-hmm. says it twice in that scene. So no, I don't like that. I think off it's because it's, it's the cop. That's too long apart. That was just, like <laughs> this shit would be happening all the time. Like I sing that like 
the Candyman, the That's creepy Candyman song too. that they play in if this you're movie, the which song in the like, mirror. Every movie these days is like that's an old song let me play it real slow and scare the shit out of you and like everyone's doing it but every time it scares the shit out of me like jane <laughs> like on topsy of jane doe that shit fucked me up <laughs> this fucked me up i love that Candyman song too and, and so it can't it can't be just times in your life because we'd all already be fucking dead right now i, I wonder if there's something to it though where Brianna does the whole thing where she's like, can I see myself in the mirror? Like she, yeah, I don't know if this is right or just what she thinks, but she seems to think that it, she doesn't need to just be in the presence of a mirror. She needs mm -hmm. to be like actively be looking, looking herself in, in, in yeah. the face. So yeah. I'm only going to look at you guys for the rest of this podcast. And then well, I'll I, I can tell you right now that I've said Candyman five times while staring at myself during this That's episode. your problem then. I've been looking at my beret. Imagine if and this I'm movie had used the Chris Aguilera song Candyman though. How, how, how much better would it have been? That is Candyman. the best Chris Aguilera song. Sugar. Did a tap Candyman. dance to that once. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with you. I already right was, now. but you I don't remember the deal. Oh we need my video God. right now for social. Every um, time I yeah, every time we speak, I learn a new detail about you that makes you more of a dreamboat. <laughs> You're incredible. Um, something just a quick shout out to Girl That's Scary that podcast. They're incredible. I listened to their Candyman episode, and they did not call him Candyman. <gasps> they they called him Sugarman the entire time Smart. to avoid saying Ooh. it, and then they like said it a couple of times by accident, and they're like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody knows that we're being very reckless. Yeah, we're being reckless. We are three beautiful idiots, and therefore are not responsible for our own actions. <laughs> I don't think that would save us, but I'm going to no. hold tight to it anyway. I don't fuck around with this type of shit, though. This is the exact type of shit it's that I don't fuck late, around Monica. with. If this I went, like no, no, because we know the rules and I know what the rules are. And I have not said it five times in a row. And so that's what the rules are. And that's how <laughs> I'm going with it. That's the rules. <laughs> I will say when Chelsea sent me the sort of the stuff you guys do at the end of the podcast, like the, the stupid bitch, uh, I was like, oh, this movie has it's so many candidates bitch. for that. It's sorry, oh, dumb, sorry. there's so we many never, candidates for well, dumb Well, we bitch. would call people a stupid bitch, and we have, and we will again. How um, is dumb better? It's it's just softer. semantics, but it's part of our brand chance. Fair, fair, um, fair, fair, fair. Sorry, sorry. We're all about branding here. Um, no, but what was I gonna say? I don't. Oh yeah, I don't fuck around with like Bloody Mary. Absolutely fucking. Oh not. God, no. Well, it's, funny. it's I... absolutely fucking not. I'm not ever gonna do that shit. I will say, like, to, to like the original movie's credit, it's funny when I interviewed uh, Nita Costa. She was saying that, like, when she was like growing up, how like that was really, like when like she knew not to say Candyman five thousand a mirror, like, mm, like they knew really. like when she was growing up in Brooklyn, like you don't do that, like. So I get that. Yeah. No. Yeah. She, I read an article, you probably, she probably told you this to your face because I didn't know you'd interviewed her, um, that she thought that Candyman was real when she was little, yeah. like a hundred percent, like full, like full stop. She was like, he's real. And that's mm -hmm. how it is. And like, oh my God, I'm glad I never knew about this as a child. It's absolutely terrifying. Any of that shit. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tempt fate. This bitch, Sydney, she will She will on this podcast um okay switching subjects a little bit one thing that i want to talk about a little though is the portrayal of the the violence and the killings and how they're shown 
on screen yes. um, because something that we talked about on our invisible man episode is like how there were so many candy man parallels um mm-hmm. and then the way that they showed the violence in this movie because you could only see the sherman fields candy man in reflections and in mirrors was very invisible man because a lot of the times yeah. you saw people being dragged around by someone who was not visible mm. So true. I never thought, I didn't think about that. Um, I think they did that because they didn't want to spend a million dollars on CGI. Um, and here's the thing for me, why was Sherman a CGI Sherman Candyman the entire time? Like, was he, was that makeup? Because it looked fake to me. Like he looked like he was a computer generated man in like all of the mirror stuff to me. I don't know if it was just me, but I and I saw it on the big screen and I was like, why does he look like that? Because I know what practical effects look like and it didn't look like makeup on him. It looked like a CGI man. And I was like, why did something happen to that actor? God forbid, like he just was cast in only this movie. If I'm wrong, then I'm so sorry. But it really looked odd to me because I was like, they're doing this great practical effects work on Yaya and he looks incredible. I mean, he's being grossified as we talked about, but he looks incredible being grossified. And so like, why not continue doing that? I understand why they had to do CGI Tony Todd, but does the internet have answers? Um, I don't know. That's, I mean, I would assume- Did anybody else feel the used... same way? I did not, no. I... No, I didn't feel that way either. But Again, I I've mean... only seen this movie in the- comfort of my home like uh-huh. only, so I have no yeah. idea I don't know I, I just remember when I saw it on the big screen I was like what the fuck is going on yeah I don't it would make sense for some of it to be CGI'd in the capacity that like um they if they're showing him and a mirror they can't they want to like separate those two like if if you're looking at Clive, who was named for Clive Barker, who wrote the original novel or story that Candyman was based on. Um, and by the way, I read a Clive Barker book when I was in like the fifth grade. Who let that happen? That's super <laughs> fucked up in hindsight. Um, but when Clive is at the Galleria getting gutted, um, I think you see him... And no one with him, but you at the same time see the mirror and you see Sherman Fields Candyman in the mirror. So it would make sense for like stuff like that to be CGI. Um, and moments where you only see Candyman and not also a reflection of him or, or whatever, just the reflection, but not also the reality. I don't, that wouldn't need to be CGI. I would, I would imagine a lot of this could be done practically, um, but also I would not be shocked if there were like last minute creative changes to be like let's make him more scary or or whatever yeah especially if they wanted the honeycomb anthony Candyman to not stand out as much from the pack maybe um because tony todd is just so classically handsome and gorgeous and beautiful and then they were like "Uh uh-oh we made this one ugly how do we make We're that seeing less pic- weird? I'm seeing pictures of, uh-huh. well, I mean, God, imagine if they had d- done more with that other Candyman who's like half of a skull. One one of the other Candyman that they, yeah, one of the other Candyman. Oh, it's really fucked up. Um, One of the other ones was 
dragged on the back of a car. <gasps> and so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. said, watch the credits. Make sure you watch the credits, winky face. Um, so I was like, what? literally. Yeah, man. Okay. Wait, okay. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. No. I'm going to do it now. I'm doing it live. This is what <laughs> happened. Cause <laughs> I was, when I watched it yesterday, I didn't watch the credits. Um, cause I had to leave the house to go pick up 100 chili dogs. Um, and that's true. <laughs> um, but no, never mind. Don't ask. It's fine. You don't need to know why. Just accept it. <laughs> but then today I rewatched it and I, and I was like, wait, okay. I remember being mesmerized when I was sitting in the, the theater, but not understanding what I was looking at or why. And then I also was another question I had while rewatching, I was like, in the very end scene, when Candyman has been summoned and he's walking around the car and he's doing his Tony Todd deep voice talking to the cop, um, you see all these different reflections and it's different people. Mm -hmm. And I like just my cute little brain didn't put it together that those were the people that like Burke had been telling him about before. The other mm -hmm. portraits that he had of other Candyman that he didn't want Brianna to see. Exactly. Um, and it was each one of them. And I was like, oh, I feel like, like they must have cut shit out of this movie because like they have these like well-developed like stories, I'm sure, because they have these like faces they've created, but we don't find out what the deal is. And then I ate my fucking words because that's what the credits are. The it's there's like four vignettes and it's the origin story of like how they were killed each one of those candy oh, okay yeah 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 yes yeah yes yeah. Okay. so one of them's like a little boy on his bicycle mm -hmm. another one another guy was uh dragged the back of his car and and there's a couple others but yeah i mean that that uh puppet work was just really intense but really really well done in the end there that's the thing i really liked i think I like this. I like. I like the idea. This movie was like. I like the idea. Of like this whole movie's idea of like. Sorry, so that's four times. Please. Um, of just like these unwilling martyrs to quote them, like these people yeah. who like Candyman's like. No one chooses to become Candyman. It's like the same people. Like when black people get get out in the streets, it's like they become these mart. Like Brianna, like Brianna Taylor becomes like an unwilling martyr or whatever. And it's yeah. like, I like the idea. In theory, I just thought like the execution here just like left so much to be desired. I just like. I know, but so uh, maybe maybe it's like this is a ninety-minute movie, which like God bless yeah. us for being a ninety-minute movie. But I think like, maybe, yeah. this, I think this this what Sydney was saying how it felt rushed. Totally, yeah. I movie, totally agree. This movie would be a better like two-hour movie. Like it needs because yeah. it's like the I want to, but like I also they gave us backstory on like Brianna's dad who killed yeah. himself and then just like never really talked about it no. ever again. And and, I yeah, was, and like, I read. What, What's the point? I read all these articles that extrapolated so and pulled so much about Brianna from the like the short scenes that she had. And I was like, I mean, you barely have time to have any thoughts about that during the movie because it's just like flashback to this horrible scene with her dad jumping out of a window. It's horrible. And then you don't really get to ever unpack that it shows yes that she's had experience with like troubled artists in the past like in her life that she's loved and that's why it's watching anthony like go through something similar is so scary to her i get that but like i feel like there's there's more to it and you yeah. don't have time for your little pretty brain to figure it out 
Yeah. The movie about that too is like, so when I interviewed Nia DaCosta while it was coming out, and I asked her about so because she's because she's directing the next Captain Marvel movie. And yeah. I was asking her what it's like working with Marvel. And she's like, this is the most creative freedom I've ever had on a project. Which is interesting because she's only done three movies. Mm-hmm. Little Woods, which is great. Well, okay. Candyman and then now the Marvels. Like she'll see. So like, which one of those first two movies did she not have creative freedom on? Question mark. But. Well, she in this one interview that I read, she was like, oh, there was a lot of pressure to do this movie, obviously, because you want to service like what the fans want to see, because there's such a huge fan base for this movie. And obviously it means so much to so many people. Um, But then she said something like, and then the studios have what they want to see Uh and what they want. So it's hard, like you have to balance both of those things. And so I think that was her kind of outing which movie it was (laughs) yeah I think um this the movie had too much on its agenda to accomplish all of it super successfully um and I think it does a pretty good job at accomplishing everything that it wants to I just don't know that it does a great job at accomplishing everything that it wants to um but Part of the the struggle with that that I have is that it switches perspective so much, and especially that perspective switch between it being Anthony's story to being Brianna's story um, is where I think you start to lose some of the the feeling that you've built because it's like you're following Anthony and you're following his story and then to kind of keep some of that mystery at the end of like what's happening to him exactly and what's going on. They have to switch to somebody else's perspective to like maintain that. But now you're just like losing all of this emotion that you've built up for a character and you don't have the same emotion built up for Brianna. And so they're kind of trying to rush it with the dad stuff. And they do sprinkle that throughout. Um, But again, I think one thing that, it's, it's, you know, the classic writing saying is show don't tell, but I felt like the showing in this movie was very much telling in a way. Like we got the, fla- Nia DaCosta said she didn't want to do flashbacks for, for Candyman, but they did do a flashback for her dad and that moment with her dad. And I think for me, it would have been more impactful to have somebody talking about that and to see her digesting and responding to and listening to them get the expression on her face especially with adult Brianna who is the character that we're following I think that would have been for me more impactful and more effective in getting into like her mental state her psychological state at that point in the movie and like understanding why she's so immediately going to the freak out place yeah I yeah it's like they're balancing they're juggling Burke's backstory, Brianna's and Anthony's, and then interspersed are some super sick, gory murders. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that they're and all brother Swift. And her bro- jokes. And he's gay. And yeah. he's gay. Right. But yeah. that also was like, why is this white boyfriend here? What's he adding? What's his what's his point? I <laughs> do love his reaction when he's like with a, with like with like the brothers like he's gonna beat him up and he's like yeah if i if i have to or <laughs> very, <laughs> yeah. very non-committal 
I, I, I liked that actor a lot. He brought a lot of comedic relief. And so. And apparently um, Clive Barker was gay um, and was in an interracial relationship. And so that was sort of an homage to, to him and that um, per some articles that I read. So like that is interesting as well. Um, and also like, sure. Yeah. Let's throw gay shit in there. I love that. Obviously I love yeah. that. Um, give me gay well, characters in every movie. Wait, do you? I wanted more. Do I love gay shit? Yes. Um, <laughs> he's being facetious. No, he's not. My, I'm, joking. I'm joking. He's really curious. Like, come on. I follow you on Twitter, Chelsea. I, I'm, I'm very aware of your Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea has no idea, of, exactly. no perception of herself. Everybody knows that this is what I'm we mysterious. Love. And nobody knows my energy okay. self, and I've That's said true. that on yeah, the yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. You're very mysterious. Yes. Um, another thing that one of the articles that I read, I think this was the one from The Guardian, uh-huh. which like was maybe going a little wild. It was like, it was like, oh yeah, they're a gay interracial couple to just show how much yes. things have changed since the '90s. And I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. Guess what? <laughs> Helen and Bernadette were also a gay interracial couple. So yes, frankly, yeah, come on, look at the canon text. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, let's talk about the kills and how fun they are really quickly before we get into probably the perk of it all. Mm-hmm. Um. I really love. We are okay. Really quickly. Um, just want to throw this in there. Shout out to Christian Brune. We had him on the pod a couple of weeks ago. He could have been the art critic. He could have played the art critic and I would have preferred that. Um, think he looks, yeah, he looks vaguely similar to that guy. And I was like, they should have just had Christian in there instead. So just saying just a little quick critique. Um, he can play a jerk. <laughs> I can see him doing it. Our new um, segment is where's Christian Brune in every episode. <laughs> Do I know this that he, he, he was on that Orphan is. Black, um, and he's in the oh, Snowpiercer oh, oh, TV show, yeah. Donnie. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, oh, you, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, copy, copy, yeah. copy. I, you see what I mean? He could do that. He could do it. They should have cast him. Anyway, Nia, we'll talk. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but besides that, I loved the Gen Z kill so much. Oh, my God. I just loved oh. that. I, I love the way they set it up, too, where, like, the hottie young high school girl like mm-hmm. comes to the art show and takes a fucking selfie in the say my name mm-hmm. um art mm-hmm, installation mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. iconic I was like can't wait to see what happens with this and then she's like so in love with herself in that bathroom she like kisses the the meal like, girls girls it's so gross. Why would you? A that's a nice school? color on you girl why would you destroy that lipstick I mean, geez. And she, it's very clownish too. Like, why are you drawing the two little circles for pink cheeks? Like, what's that about? Yeah, I love like with that scene where uh, you get um, what's the main girl's name? Brie, Brianna. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And she's like, who would even say this? Like in the mirror, and immediately <laughs> snap. <cut>. Yes. <laughs> It's like, ah, these dumb white bitches. They would yep. do it. They are they, doing it. That, that was like so funny to me. Yeah. That brings some levity to it. I will say that for me, that whole thing was complicated because I think the all of a sudden following these different characters was like a little jarring. Um, yeah. 
and to be perspective hopping so much in between the Anthony focus and in between the William focus and in between the Brianna focus, it was like a little, um, would, would take you out of the moment for me at least. But that said, it made a lot of sense to be like, who are the people that would do this? Um, and they are doing it through throughout the whole movie, especially with him um, introducing it to the public in this way and the people yeah. interacting with who, who are the people show, who would be at that art show mm-hmm. they have to show it kind of going viral in its own way you know because um, mm-hmm. I thought that was like a an awesome but so fucked up choice that he's like everyone I invite you to say the name I'm like Anthony shut the fuck up you need to do more research before you start doing this shit like, <laughs> and then they it. talk about it on the news and he's like say my name they said my name and say my name I don't know I just it's cool to be mentioned I guess I mean obviously you- it's obviously it's awful it's like your girlfriend just found was two dead bodies witnessed the murder right? and they were her co-workers she hangs out with them all the time even why though is sucks. he not a suspect also like i know that the movie i know why the movie didn't want him to be framed as a suspect because they are trying to have the violence against black men be less in the forefront um but he had just gotten in an altercation with these two people and then they were murdered in front of his art exhibit and his only alibi presumably was being with his girlfriend um I just it was so mm-hmm. interesting to me that the only moment that that time. was referenced was in the conversation with Finley at her apartment where she's being like I want to quote from you I want to hear your take and and she's not even saying it but he's the one being like I didn't do anything I don't know anything that's has nothing to do with me um I I thought that was an an interesting narrative choice to be like we are grounding this story within the reality of race in America and then to have him be like such an obvious suspect and it's just like never mentioned it's part of the Jordan Peele believe just believe it's <laughs> happening just it's about okay. emotion what was that quote that I said I don't know That's, I'm just being an ass yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it doesn't like, make sense <laughs> you know when in that same thing when he's at the critic's house uh-huh. And then they're like, oh my God, she's dead. And then they make it a clear point to be like, the husband is the main Immediately. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, though. Even in that moment, he gets up and runs out of the dinner. And at no point is anybody like, hey, weren't you just with her? Or like, hey, wasn't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, I don't think everybody knew that he was just with her. Would, wouldn't his girlfriend have known? I don't I think, think he told he her. I, think he, I don't think he told her. He was just going out. Yeah. Okay. He wouldn't know when he would be done. And she was like, don't fuck this up. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, that is what happens. Do we think that Finley said Candyman's name in the mirror? Yeah. Oh, because yes. I have. Yeah. She did. Okay. Yeah. Of I course. agree. Um, and I think that you can like see the moment basically. Um, because at that moment, Yaya has done a black swan clear reference when he starts to peel his skin um i i hate with that. that shit truly hated that like, um, i'm glad that they did it but i did almost throw up <laughs> yes i i didn't need it um 
but he starts to peel his skin and then he's like oopsie so he goes to get a rag um and then he's like standing in front of the mirror in front of the bathroom and there's a moment where you see Candyman like silhouetted in the bathroom door as though he's in the bathroom with Finley and yeah. then it goes black and he like snaps to being the reflection in the mirror so mm-hmm. I think in that moment Finley is the one who summoned him um but then when it's Candyman is like oh my 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 boy's here um he just like snaps like, on hey over guy. hey son Nasty. um although he's not his son it's he's not the Sherman Field son he's Daniel Robitaille's son unless they all share unless they were doing like yeah, a like they feel full dad it's like feeling. a universal yeah. Candyman son it's like a sensate kind of thing but but oh, not that at all one mm. of us one of us yeah you bring up sensate I just think about the orgy so I mean I I only saw I only finished season one I think I haven't watched season two yet I think or the movie. Uh, I didn't watch the movie, but I watched part of season two. I think we get another less awesome orgy. Uh, ah. But still in more. Season two. I will say, I will say Sense Sensei made a lot of sense when uh-huh. I after I watched the second Matrix. I was like, oh, copy, copy. <laughs> yep. 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 I totally agree. I just saw the second Matrix for the first time like a week ago. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, we're there. I figured it out. The theme is orgies and we love that. Um, anyway, no orgy in this movie. Too bad. Tragic. Uh, truly tragic. You know what? If they had just added another 30 minutes and it was all an orgy, it all would have made a lot more sense. Dear God. <laughs> One more perspective we didn't need. Um, <laughs> okay, I but guess we should that talk. Actually, though, that would be very what? fitting for people in the art world to do a Candyman and then also have an orgy. And Not then every artist wants to have an orgy okay that is a horrible stereotype but don't you think that there probably are five people at that party who do want to have an orgy yes you're right okay <laughs> at least <laughs> at least <laughs> the math the math the math works out yeah the math is math yeah. yeah no yeah 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 I a mean, lot just of people odd. who have statistics asked, a lot of people who have asked me to be in orgies were all in the art community so i'm gonna say oh, yeah. we there have a lot know. of evidence here okay, that's the on the ground reporting we need Thank God. Sydney is our field reporter. I got, I got you, girls. Don't worry. Freaky Tuesday out in the field. Um, okay, I guess we should talk about the Burke of it all. Um, because it all ends up being because of him, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. And that's another thing I completely forgot after <laughs> not seeing this for four months. Um, I feel like this is where it gets like they're kind of trying to... I feel like the movie was trying to like rewrite some of the like I'm using scare quotes, rock scare quotes. Jesus Christ, I can't speak scare quotes of the wrongs of the 1992 Candyman. Um, it was trying to write some of those wrongs like lore wise. Yeah. Um, and then it gets a little bit like confusing, like what what. <laughs> with with the whole Burke thing but I guess like I read a lot of articles and they were saying that Burke like obviously he's traumatized he was not he was witnessed Sherman's death where he becomes a candy man for one Mm -hmm. um and that's absolutely horrifying um and then his sister is killed by the Sherman candy man not that long after so he's obviously traumatized but it seems like he's like kind of deified Candyman. 
um, in the aftermath, aftermath as a response to that. I don't know. What was y'all's take on this? I didn't fully appreciate the substance of the monologue until the second time I watched it and when I was really writing it down. Um, but what he says at the end is, um, do, 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 where's my quote? Um, he says, they tore down our homes so we so we could move back in. We'd need Candyman because this time he'll be killing their fathers, their babies, their sisters. I knew it was only a matter of time before the baby came back here in perfect symmetry, a chance for Candyman to take back what's rightfully his, his legend. So Burke is like the movie, very much doing the thing of I'm taking back the Candyman legend to be what it should be, which is mm-hmm. weaponized against the white people who are causing harm to the black communities and not violence within the black community, which like mm-hmm. on some level, of course, makes sense in the 1992 movie that all of this evil and this violence against Daniel Robitaille would create an instrument of violence and that most violence is inter-community violence. You're harmed by people you know, et cetera. And also like who are going to be the people who have this memory of Daniel Robitaille and what happened to him. Um, But that wouldn't be what would happen, you'd think, if Daniel Robitaille had like any agency in his story um, and in who he chose to go after. Um, and, and maybe you can argue that the lore strips him of agency entirely and that he can't go after anyone until he's summoned. Um, but mm-hmm. so he's saying like, we're specifically recreating th- this mm-hmm. violence. And he's saying kind of essentially like bummer that we have to make someone a martyr, but I'm happy to do that so that we can make Candyman what it always should have been. And it's very personal for him in that one line when he says he'll be killing their fathers, their babies, their sisters. Like he explicitly is saying like Candyman killed my sister. Shouldn't have been my sister. It should have been their sisters. So I'm I'm remaking Candyman. I'm re-weaponizing Candyman in the way that he should have been. And it's also the parallel where he says, we have the story of Anthony McCoy, an artist who lost his mind and the cops showed up and shot him down in cold blood without even saying a word. So you have the artist of Daniel Robitaille, you have the police execution based on literally nothing like with Sherman Fields um, and like with some of the other stories mm. that we see in the credits, like the one with the yeah, little boy there. is like very much an Emmett Till-esque story. Um but instead of a public mob lynching, it literally goes through the justice system and he gets electrocuted legally and lawfully, which is also fucked up because it's like indicting the systems as well as individual people. Mm, mm, um, mm. And I mean, systems are created by people, so that makes sense. Um, but but yeah, he's basically saying, I'm making a new story and this will be the new Candyman. And this is what Candyman gets to do now instead of what he was doing before. Which is why to me, it makes sense that the 1977 murder of the sisters is included, even though it's kind of against the thesis statement of what the movie wants to be, because it's mm-hmm. saying that's the inciting incident in changing the thesis statement of the movie and in the thesis statement of Candyman and the lore okay I'm with you I'm with you 
Did that change anybody's um, mind? Not really. I still don't like this movie, but okay. <laughs> I I just it just gets really 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 complicated i feel like you have to watch it a bunch of times to like appreciate it more which like i get angry when like like it's one thing if you like discover new amazing things every time but like if it requires that many watches for it to give you the point mm-hmm. you know also i feel like yeah. we're extrapolating a lot of things that are like barely in the text like i don't think i i, I, I think i think i think the movie's putting too much work on the like on the viewer uh-huh. Like and I look, there's there, there's something something to be something to be said about not handholding, which I think this movie was trying totally. not to do, but also like mm-hmm. to the point of just like I don't have to like I don't have to like go sit in a restaurant like r- map it all out and make my own like <laughs> carry Matheson murder board. To figure you didn't it have all to out. transcribe seventy five percent of the movie. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, I feel like. My initial reaction watching this movie back in what September, August, whenever it came out, like wasn't as positive. I was like, "Ah." I felt upset at the end, um, like in a like, whoa, profound kind of way. But then I was like, what is occurring? And then I watched it again, read all these articles, appreciated what they were trying to do. But I totally agree with you. It was just like a lot of moving parts um, in a very short period of time. And a I lot wonder, of different styles. Yes. But they were all cool styles. <laughs> the the puppetry work, I think, was one of the strongest features of this movie, yeah, both in sure, how they sure. chose to sto- tell for that sure. story and also in how beautiful it was. It's, it's, um, it's, 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 also, it's, it's also very clear Nia DaCosta knew that because, like, when she was on Twitter, she, like, dropped the puppetry stuff in the middle, like, that summer of 2020, like, even, like, before this movie came out. She, like, Mm-hmm. dropped it when as the sort of protests were sleeping in LA mm-hmm. and stuff which is really mm-hmm. cool because like she knew what she had I mean also it was like it's a very it's a very powerful piece of yeah probably well, the most yeah. affecting piece of the movie I think is that shadow puppetry I think far superior than I anything agree. else that, that that they do so agree, right and yeah. and connecting it to that summer is so interesting too because there was so much conversation about how it took people watching a eight minute long video nine minute long video of what happened to George Floyd for people to suddenly be like hey that's wrong and then also there was that whole discussion about like stop sharing that video I I not everybody needs to see it Mm -hmm. and we don't want or need to be re-traumatized constantly for white people to get the point essentially um and so to to bring it into that medium and for her to explicitly link that is really interesting um but I wonder how much the kills that we do see in this movie was intended. Like, I would love to to one day get a breakdown of, like, what parts of the movie came from where and were whose ideas. Because I could see it being a studio choice to really make that like the the horror thrill of it you know what I mean to have these gory kills um I thought some of them were cool but also it looked kind of cartoonish to me in that you know they this is either CGI or it's somebody who is on wires being pulled around on set you know what I mean oh I love Finley's death it looked cool oh, yeah. in the zoom out. I, I liked love that. that. But it is n- not like scary to me. Um, and I, well, I don't think it was supposed to be scary. I thought it kind of made, I saw, I read something that was like, she was kind of like a puppet herself. And I was like, oh, oh. 
Actually, oh. when you put it that way, if they're literally actors being pulled around on strings and it's like a whole puppet motif, now I like it more than I did five seconds ago. Hey, look at that. Amazing. Okay, this is um, not a smart, profound thought, um, but it's a thought that I had a Give lot. Um, and the thought is that there are many takeaways of this film that are deeply important, um, many more important than this. But one of the takeaways that I will hold with me for the rest of my life is every time I see a branded pen from any place, I will <laughs> steal it. I will steal it. I already kind of already stole them a lot of the time, and I'm admitting yeah, that on the record. To. Yeah, yeah, I know, but not some sometimes at the restaurants, you know. No, it's they want you to. My friend who was a waiter said that if it's a branded pen, that means that the restaurant itself has to pay for it. But if it's just like a regular big pen, then the employees have to like go to Office Depot and buy pens themselves. So if it's a branded pen, it is free marketing for that restaurant if you take it with okay. you. Okay, well, then I don't feel bad, but I'm going to just make sure that I always have one with me at all time. The most recent one I stole is from All Day Baby, and it's really cute. Um, But yeah, it's a great weapon. It's a great way to figure out where your boyfriend is. It's a great way to stab someone to death um and to save you from being duct taped to a church pew i mean it is a multi-use tool mm -hmm. um i've never seen one used so effectively in my Look, life and i was inspired there's a reason why i used to hide knives around the house in my like when i was a kid what <laughs> just like prepared look i just prepared Every time you speak i learn a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> tell me no, where when, you hid when, knives where were when, the knives when we we're moving my mom found one that i'd hid in like the in like a roll of paper towel by the bar that we didn't use so like we never had to like Did change it out get cut on it no she just like oh, okay it's not a horror story chelsea no. it's a story of chances on ingenuity <laughs> i almost said ingenuity that too <laughs> hid one behind some dvds in our old like family room i don't know just what kind of knives are we talking? Did you steal them from the kitchen? Yeah, yeah. Like, what like, kind like, of DVDs? Like steak were... knives. Also an important question. <laughs> oh, well, they were VHS, I think about it. I can't remember. With, like my mom's like all like 90s thrillers, you mm -hmm, know, like Crying mm -hmm. Game. Beautiful. Basic Instinct. Gorgeous. That's perfect. Very, very fitting. Um, You're just stealing kitchen Hunter's knives? not Hunter's knives everywhere? Yes. Too bad. There were also Hunter's knives? No. Sorry, no. They weren't. No, Who in your family? Were they like, why are the knives going missing? No, she didn't notice. <laughs> oh my God. You had so many kitchen knives in your house, I assume. <laughs> They're pro knife family, okay? It's fine. <laughs> Good for you. I mean, you were ready. You were I mean, prepared. I mean, I also had like Electra like size. Cause I, okay. Another fun fact, I guess, is that I have a black belt. I did martial arts for a while. And so I started training with weapons. So I had like the same the knives as Electra. <laughs> he tap dances, he acts. He has knives. He has a black belt. What can't he do? He watches Legends of Tomorrow from the CW. <laughs> Chance. Right, right there on the wall. He has not Wait. seen Misfits, which is a crime. You need to watch Misfits because I think you'd really like it, both because it is really good and also because it is superhero stuff and also because it has Nathan Stewart Jarrett from this mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the tequila with like the most interesting man in the world? Don Julio or something like that. One of them. I don't know which no, one. It doesn't matter. Dos but the, you made the, the reference. Dos Equis. There we go. It's the beer. Dos Equis. You're, I'm I'm voting for you to replace that man <laughs> um, in the future. So I'll keep you posted on that campaign. Um, okay. I guess we should talk about 
the the bitter end here before we move on to our segments. I I noticed something and I don't know if it was a smart girl thought or if I'm just really reading into it too much. But <laughs> right after uh, Anthony finds out from his mom, which just real quick uh, shine on Anne Marie. She should have been in way more scene. in the movie. It was Vanessa Williams. She should have been in so much Vanessa more. Yeah. Williams. She was so great. The way it's in the trailer, but the way that she says like, Shh, no, don't we don't say that it's, when mm-hmm. he says, Can't, oh, it's just like haunting. So great. Um, but he's we don't obviously talk about Bruno disturbed. wishes they had that. <laughs> <laughs> great joke. Great joke. James. We can get into the now <laughs> billboard top 100 song. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, but anyway, uh, he comes back to Cabrini Green right after that. And then he's like just standing there kind of vacant, you know, slowly turning into a beehive. And he like sees bright flashes coming from this one room and he just like goes towards them. And I was like, is he having is he like seeing his fate or something and accepting it? Because isn't that the room where like he later gets shot and dies? Like, I I don't know what those flashes were. Otherwise, I was like, are those like a foreshadowing of the gunshots or something i i don't know but he huh. also was in that same room earlier taking pictures with a flash camera i didn't see anything about Could this so i don't know as well yeah pull it up. i wasn't i wasn't sure if that mean meant more but i i don't know what else was calling him into that room but he seemed so resigned to what was occurring at that point so i thought maybe he's just like walking into his future as oh yeah you're right candy I'm man watching it right now yeah he yeah. very much hey, roll the clip please roll the clip sorry <laughs> <laughs> I could be a social clip and then we could cut to it um but who knows um but it's Interesting because when he's in the church with Burke at the end and Brianna is there, he's very compliant. He is just like sitting there of his own free will. Burke is like, give me your hand. He raises his hand. And oh I don't know they if he's really like. really showed that to his God, arm they, cut Yeah, off. they really they really thought through really it. They really showed it. Blah. Anyway. Um, but, but. Called I, realism. It's called realism <laughs> as his arm that was now a beehive was chopped off in the Important. abandoned church. You have to be true to the original. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of time to cut through bone. Have a hook. Um, now he's a tool <laughs> expert as well. Um, it's a long time to cut through bone, he says knowingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think you can argue like there's missing time in there so maybe burke literally did something to him hypnotized him gave him drugs whatever we don't know i also think or there's the just room just to argue yeah maybe his brain is literally just honey at this point but yeah, no thoughts just buzz or something like that just vibes <laughs> that would have been actually i would have liked more if if there had been like a growing hum of bees at some points in the movie that would have been cool I feel um, like this movie is very much like, you know, when you're playing Card Against Humanity and someone just plays the card that's just like, bees! That's like this movie. Bees! <laughs> um, but but yeah. I think there's there's space for him to just be like under the Candyman spell, if you will. Like we saw that in the 1992 one. Like there is sort of a like hypno 
Chisholm-esque effect. Um, and they do that in oh, yeah. the, the first one, really with the lighting on the eyes that we talked mm -hmm. about so much. Um, mm -hmm. And they don't really have like a visual trick to show that, if you will, in this movie. There's, it doesn't really happen to anyone in that same way. I think arguably because no. Candyman isn't like haunting people in the same well, way. Candyman also is not flirting with people in the same way in this well, movie. But it, it happens to Bernadette also in the 1992 one. Um, I've been flirting with Bernadette as well. She's very beautiful. That's true. But that Kelsey. was his competition. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think he's just like under under the spell if you will and you, you could say that's what is drawing him in but I really like the the idea about the lights flashing and whether it is foretelling what's to come foreshadowing that um or yeah. if it is like mirroring his first visit to the house or if the camera flashes in the beginning were mirroring the yeah the, it could the all police be police lights and the the I assume there's a flash of light when you fire a gun based on movies well, yeah. that I've seen. That's what oh. I was saying. That it's the, that's what I was saying. That I think the it's flash a gun. Of light is the flash of the gun. That's what, yeah, that's what I was trying to I, say. I just, just rewatched it. Yes. I think it's. I, yeah. It's, I think it's like him seeing where he's going to die or something. And like, that's where it's going to be. That's what, that's what my take on it was. I but, do wonder, okay. like, was there a, a, a seizure warning for this movie? Because those blue flashing lights from the police cars oh. though, was so much. That was, I mean, that scene was just so intense in so many ways. Like this movie, like really comes to like a, a fever pitch where like, oh, it's just but horror that, after horror. Yeah, that, that final scene bit. definitely is meant to mirror the puppets and that stuff though, because and the William Burke stuff from the beginning, because they only show the violence against the white people from Candyman is very vivid detail. Um, they show you the hook going into Clive's ankle, which was a little um, House of Wax clear reference for me. Um, mm -hmm. But that moment where Anthony gets killed by the police, you only see the shadows on the wall, like William Burke's little puppets in the beginning when he... In the beginning, even before he goes to do the laundry with Candyman, has a police officer chasing a guy who's saying like, I didn't do anything. And the police officer is being like, hands, hands, hands. Like that, in that very first moment that we see is sort of like the, the. Yeah. Married to all those other different points. Definitely. Um. But yeah, I mean, the, the last bit of this movie is just like a lot to take in. It's deeply fucked up, though. The shot of Brianna holding Anthony when he's finally like come back to himself to like, I don't know, be there with her and he's already dying. And then, you know, the police come in and immediately kill him. I mean, the way that was shot was just like beautiful and so horrible. And oh my god, it was just it was horrible. The last bit of this movie, I was just like in the fetal position. <laughs> Although mm -hmm. I did love her in the car, and the police basically tell her, "You can say our story, or we can arrest you as an accomplice, also. So up to you, your choice." And um, she chose option three. Yes. Yeah, bitch. Exactly. Was like, let me let me A look at you real quick. Mm -hmm. And I Always. and I thought it was like a little clumsy in the way that she was like can I just see myself but like clearly she believes the lore that you have to look yourself in the face and I think that is that's the rules true. yeah um 
And so I, I don't know that there was any more graceful way to do that, but to like see the cogs turning in her head, I thought was very mm. well done to see her yeah. make the decision up to that point when faced with these two options and then be like, do you know what? We literally just got a new candy man. And it was just explained to me um, that he's going to be against you guys now. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately I will be playing that Uno reverse um and it's she, also, she just whips it out and then you get the tony todd voice and it's so good but it's also just so tragic too because like you know as much hell as he's put her through in the yeah. last couple of months she loves anthony so much and like you know this is obviously triggering with all of her her dad stuff that we already know about but like she knows that like this like she's calling on her lover to protect her as well mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Very sad, very sad. But I like the perspective shift too at the end there where like she's like sitting in the car and you're watching all the cops get absolutely fucked. Um, I love the blood splatter on the window. It's all like from inside the car and then like it switches to like kind of Candyman's perspective as he stalks around the car and you see the other faces. I just thought that um, it was cool to like see the action from inside the car like you're sitting right next to Brianna. Yeah, one thing I missed from the 1992 movie was all of the voiceover and stuff too. Um, yes. and and the voice. And I thought that was used so effectively. Um oh, that was also part of the like hypnotism-esque effect in the 1992 one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And like obviously I mean, just the way that Candyman is used and utilized and presented is so different in this movie. So it wouldn't bit but I loved that we got at least a little bit of it at the end um and what he says really calls back to some of what he says in the first movie um he says I am the writing on the walls I am the sweet smell of blood on the street the buzz that echoes in the alleyways they will say I shed innocent blood you are far from innocent but they will say you were that's all that matters um, oh I love it's it was so good and the way that so it like good. encapsulates what Candyman was and what he will be now, but how it will still be positioned in in the media and in the storytelling. I yeah. thought it was interesting. Yeah. And then tell everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I mean, it was melodramatic, but it, I mean, it's the end of the movie. Be as mellow fucking dramatic as you yeah. want. When his head is bees and then the bees part and it's <sighs> Tony Todd being mm-hmm. a hottie. <laughs> I'm like, best reveal. <laughs> I wish there I there wasn't enough um real B mouth play for me in this movie as a big flaw that I had. Um I there weren't enough bees in people's mouths, like real bees, and that was a big issue for me. Um, but other than that, I not in it. 2022, ma'am. Or 2021. The movie takes place in 2019. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Everyone's funny. like save the bees. <laughs> bees are not actors. <laughs> <laughs> Do the bees have um, a union? They should. Um, probably individual bees do in their hives. That's kind of how I don't know how bees works, and I also don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> how but, this movie be gay? No, wait. Before we do our segments, I have one thing to say. Um, okay. and I thought it was super interesting, and I sure as hell didn't notice it. But in one of the many articles that I read, they talked about it. Um. Anthony McCoy's whole name is said five times during this movie. Only five times, just like saying Candyman's name 
before he becomes Candyman at the end. Yeah, that can't and be there's... intentional. It is intentional. Yeah. It's all by design. Um, this Clive... is my design, said yes. Nia DaCosta. <laughs> Clive says it twice in the beginning when he's being like, this is the old Anthony McCoy art. I want to see the Anthony McCoy of the future. Um, where he's basically saying, do more of this same thing, but different again. Because um, then mm-hmm. Anthony goes, well, he's thinking about doing this thing about the projects. And, you know, I'm from whatever this one was. And Clive goes, Southside, that's tired. So he has to switch to a different project, um, which classic Fuck. art conversation. But there's Clive says it twice. And then Anthony says it and introduces himself when he meets William Burke. So I kind of think that's the moment where William Burke really started to be like, oh, okay, I've had this idea, but now let me put this plan in place. Now all of the pieces are coming together. Um, It's Mm -hmm. said by the newscaster in the report about the art gallery murders. And then William Burke says it right at the end in the church, right as he's creating the new Candyman. So I think they say Anthony is purposeful, but the Anthony McCoy, the full name, you only get those five times. Damn, I love that. Just a little Easter Beautiful. egg. A little Easter egg. Now, well, yeah. Now, how could this movie be gayer? And it's just so wonderful to say that it's already gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just nice to have it. And it's gay right away as well. Yeah. Not the first second, but almost. It's but like kids the in the first second. No, gay people <laughs> in the first second. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they give you the William Burke vignette before you get the- I know, I know. know. I'm just making a joke, Chelsea. Let me. (laughs) Okay, so you cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean- more from them, though. I know. There wasn't time. There could have been if they just made a longer movie. (laughs) Chelsea, they couldn't make a black movie and a gay movie. Yeah, they had to pick Why one. Why not? Uh-huh. America, change. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Give the people what they want. I don't know. I think uh. he he was there. The brother was there and he was a part of the movie. Um, and he was there to help tell Brianna's story. And he was like the entry point because he brought in yes. the Candyman mm-hmm. lore. Um, but I don't also felt like he didn't get to do very much. He got to say some really funny one-liners though, like him being protective of Brianna were so, like all the things he said were so funny when he like comes back into the house and he was like, get out here right now. And he also calls him uh, a Basquiat ass, something like yeah. that. And I thought that was hilarious. The Moscato um, bit. Yes. Oh, the that Moscato was funny. Was, it's a dessert wine. Right. <laughs> And him showing off his ass to his his boyfriend. That was so funny. Uh, I, guess they I just do love have their the line, dynamic. They have the line in the gallery also um, where the boyfriend is being like, should we do it? Should we say Candyman? And he goes like, no, no. that is white people shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he his character, both of their characters, him and his boyfriend, um, were so important to add like a little bit of levity here and there. But um, yeah. Anthony had some really funny lines too, though. Like in the bit in the beginning, when the the brothers being like, how come you haven't made any art? It's been two years, stop mooching off my sister. He goes like, that's because you're my muse. And I just don't see you as often, Troy. Um, And Anthony had that really funny line when 
Clive is like kicking him out of the gallery after Jameson. I don't know. I don't know intentionally or not um, insults his work. Anthony does his whole like, oh, you're whatever he says, some dig about Clive needing to stock up on plan B. What is the mm-hmm. quote? Does anybody remember? It's no. on anyway. one of them. Yeah. yeah and then, like it, that. And, and then Clive fires goes. back. He's Clive well, the, fires no, back and he well, does Clive's the like, whole. Well, he's like, he's like, you were you you had that you you had that ready to go that wasn't yeah <laughs> oh yeah you had that in the bank already and he's like yeah I did bitch <laughs> and then he falls <laughs> out of the door it would have been such an awesome dig and then he almost falls to the ground so rip <laughs> poor guy <laughs> um but yeah okay so it's already gay um there's no gay, time though. for. I mean, it always can be. I mean, in my heart, don't know what Anthony's bisexual. He's an artist. And we don't know what Burke's up to. He's bisexual, and I think that's in the text. (laughs) He doesn't have time to grapple with his sexuality. He's too busy being transformed into a beehive. He doesn't need to (laughs) grapple with it. He could have grappled with it 10 years ago when he was 20. He's 30 now. And um, he's there's something there. Sexuality, that's why he doesn't mention it. It just doesn't come up. It's all a coming out story, you know. Be by there's sim. There's something similar <laughs> there. He becomes a beehive. Beehive. You know what I mean? There's something there. There's too many B words for it to be a coincidence. Clearly, clearly, yeah. That's another Easter egg that I noticed. No, um, but I, I support that. I mean, he's wearing the beanie. So like Sleepy said. The beanie, gay. Signaling. He's signaling. I don't make the rules. He just, she just enforces them. I'm just saying. <laughs> when we do social, I'll see if I can gather any other evidence. Um, I'll, I'll go hunting. Don't you worry. Um, but but in my heart, I already know that to be true. So, so where would Matthew Lillard fit into this movie? He Personally, what a segment! What a what a <laughs> Every time, baby. Here's Sometimes he doesn't here's, need to be in the movie. Um, the this thing. might be one of them. I would have gotten this had I not watched all all the Scream movies like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So I was so glad. I'm so glad I did that. So I get this. You, I'm you so see glad why you did that it was too. so special. Why we need this segment? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I will say I do air on and I'm I'm glad I'm glad Chelsea explained this to me via text. He's like, and so, as as Monica just said, some movies don't need him. I mean, I I I don't think this one needed him. No. <laughs> Most of them don't need him. It's just like, wouldn't it be fun? Here's I don't like, think it would be sometimes we say it would detract from the movie, and that's why we would not place him anywhere in it, even just walking in the background. Although he easily could have been a person in the gallery scene, you know, no questions. He could have been Finley. Finley could have been a man, oh. and it could have been Matthew Lillard. Ooh. And it could have been gay. It could still be that they think the husband killed him, but now they're yeah. both men. <laughs> they're exactly. both husbands. They're both husbands. <laughs> <laughs> Two birds with one stone. <laughs> Here's the thing about this segment. Um, it's just for funsies is the thing. And like, we love Matthew Lillard. Obviously we're yeah. obsessed with Matthew Lillard, but also to me, it's just like a fun little exercise. It could have been anybody, but it it's is just, Matthew Lillard. And it's just- We're flexing silly. our just casting goofy. muscle, you know? 
Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm with chance on this one. I don't have any strong feelings about where he could be, but Sydney also love that idea. Beautiful, innovative. I never would have gone there. Beautiful. Gender bending. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Important, important to make things Matthew Lord and to make things gay. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So this is going to be a contentious one. Who is the dumb bitch of the many, many, many contenders? (laughs) I'm gonna go with the brother. I, okay, he's 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 the one who started this. You know, he came in talking about Candyman, mm-hmm. like had he kept his mouth shut. Dude, no, absolutely <laughs> not. They were already living on the fucking bones of Kirby. Oh my god, I can't even Cabrini say it. Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. They were already Fine. living Gen Z in then. it. Gen Z. I think also the police. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yes. Let <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean that always the dumb bitch, but this one made you dumb. give us great reminder. Um, but yeah, Gen Z. Gentrification could be the dumb bitch also can, in this one. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because fair, they fair. go on that like definitely poorly written, no actual human beings talk like that when they were like describing what gentrification was. Oh, Just that for the viewers was... watching at home, that was a little note from the studio being like, hey, some people don't know this. So can you guys explain? Um, but yeah, the, the terrible thing is that we never actually like, oh, this is, they never actually show the identification, you know, like show it like, yeah. visually outside of like the one apartment, you know, it's like, because like, it, like, like, it probably would have hit, been more effective had we been able to juxtapose like, William Burke's flashbacks with like what this neighborhood looks like now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is one scene where um he's like walking in Caprini Green and they have the old church mm-hmm. that's like all painted white. And then oh, that was the that was good. Like the photo of what it actually looks like. Fair. They did do that at least that that one time, yeah. but it it could have been done. I think also, one of the where are the coffee shops? Where are the <laughs> They do. They do. There's no Starbucks yet, so therefore, is it really just? Where's the Whole Foods? Well, they talked about the Whole Foods, but where is it? (laughs) When he has just had the conversation, when Anthony has just had the conversation with Clive, where Clive has basically been like, "The South Side is not hip, so I need you to focus on a different housing project for your art to show black pain." Um, Then he walks out to go explore Cabrini Green more, and you see like this leasing office sign on his building and the building right across the way also has like a 500 new apartments like leasing sign um Mm. so I think it was maybe just a little subtle um and they could have shown I think if they had shown like the walk and shown literally how close Mm. it was that would have accomplished a lot of that ground to be like no literally we are exactly where Cabrini Green is um because they kind of say it but I don't think you really get a sense of that and I think part of that is because in the 1992 movie you have Helen's apartment that seems so beautiful and nice and is like across town but they say it was also a housing project Mm -hmm. and it was going to be the same thing but then they just decided that like the location was too ideal um and that's kind of the whole gentrification thing is that like they're okay to have the ghetto and to let the ghetto be part of that until they need that land also. And then they go actually takesy backsies. Um, 
but I think if you if you'd shown the proximity, if we'd seen it for ourselves instead of them just like saying it in one line, that would have gone a long way towards driving that home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, is it a three-way tie then for dumb bitch between the police, gentrification, and Gen Z? Where did <laughs> Gen Z come in? The bathroom. Scene. The bathroom. The bathroom. The bathroom. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, the children. Yeah, yeah. There's the children that are murdered. Yes. I don't know. We could have a three-way tie. That's fair. I was. I don't know that Gen Z should win though, because like people have been doing the Candyman in the mirror for years and years. Yeah, and yeah, years. yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, not fair to Gen put Z that all problem. on Gen Z. I like Gen Z quite a bit. Selfies and like, look, I love selfies. So I love Gen Z. They're like really gay. So I can't get mad at Gen Z all the time, you know? So we'll let Gen Z live. We'll have it be a tie between gentrification and the fucking police. So there you go. Perfect. Fair enough. (laughs) So now we're at our knives out of fives. And so Chelsea, let us know what people thought about this movie. Yeah, um, it's a mixed bag because on IMDb, the movie has, I think, what we would say is lower than we would expect. Um, perhaps it's on the money for, for chance. But on IMDb, this movie has a 5.9 out of 10. Um, I will say it is comparably higher on Rotten Tomatoes. So on Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it 84% fresh, which is pretty good. And then audiences gave it 72% fresh. So overall favorable, the 5.9 out of 10, that seems low to me, especially just in comparison to the incredible box office success of this movie, which we haven't really mentioned. Like this was an incredible debut. Um, It was the first time a black woman filmmaker had a movie debut at the top of the charts basically or whatever is top of the charts just a music term i don't know top Um, of the box office box office sure number one chance you know this chance what do they say for movies do they say things for movies there we go perfect from the expert himself um but yeah the movie performed really really well i didn't see it when it came out I remember when it came out, there was a lot of mixed criticism, um, a lot of praise, and then also a lot of people who were not so sure. Um, So I think it did get kind of a a mixed um, reception. And I don't know if it like went up in the ratings for people after that or. Chance, you you have strong negative opinion on this. (laughs) I want to hear, I want to hear what pissed you off about it. I mean. I guess, I don't know. I just, again, I've said something already. I think some of the, again, all the plot holy stuff, which you yeah. guys explained, which I think you guys did more work to explain than the movie does. I also just like, I wasn't sure who it was made for. Cause again, like Sydney brought up the line about like the gentrification, which is like, like, I don't know, like, as a black person, I, I don't, I don't need to be told that if you're making this movie for me. I, don't know, I feel like it had its, its audience sort of mixed up, kind of serve different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, there's something about it that sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, that again, I do think I, it's hard for me to have negative thoughts because I like, I spoke to people involved in the movie and also just like, I like the movie theoretically. I like what it's trying mm-hmm. to do thematically. I just don't think it yeah. pulled it off. You know what I mean? Like, again, I think it comes, again, mm-hmm. we thought this really comes around to not being long enough. Um, so that's why, again, touring it, I remember like, 
each time I watched it, hoping to like like it, I just haven't gotten there yet, you know. Um, yeah. So that's why they maybe next time. I just gave it a wait. Okay, I think wait. Can I say what I gave it on Letterboxd? Oh sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I already it, on the record. I got it. Oh, I just put it in here as we were talking. So it's like I realized I. But have you never have to in. format it to out of five because we do out of oh, fives. Letterbox is out of, out of five. five. Yeah. Oh. I'm not Beautiful. never looked at our letterbox. I guess I I that's have. what you just admitted to me. Two <laughs> and a half fine. knives out of five. Five. Oh, he's a professional reviewer. So fair. That's lower than the 5.9 on IMDb. Okay. But I give it a three out of five knives. Okay. Like, I don't think it like, most of the time, I like a good tight 90. Uh-huh. This movie, I think it was trying to say a lot of things that the story got, like, the like a plot mm-hmm. got lost. So, like, I would have liked a longer movie to, like, actually, like, have the, the pacing of this movie. I don't like it yeah. at all. Like, mm-hmm. the pacing, like, it just... It, feels too rushed it feels like they were trying to say too many things and couldn't actually say what they needed to say because they were just trying to like rush it in and I'd want to sit and like actually sit with a lot of the stuff that it is trying to say so it should be a longer film which I never want to sit through a longer film ever but I think if like this was a two-hour movie I would have been happier Totally. I feel like the biggest jump scares were like the thematic jumps that you experience yeah. throughout the film. Like, uh, I don't know. There's just, you know, you get the retro 70s thing going on. I'm just talking about just aesthetics. I, and then like there's all the thematic stuff they're trying to do with the bees, which, you know, we got to have the bees. The bees are part of the story. I love bees. No, I'm not. I'm not knocking the bees. Okay. I just want to go on record saying I love bees. Um, moving on from that. And and like and obviously freaking love the puppets, but like that's a huge jump already. So you're already asking the audience to be like, we have puppets now, and and this is what we're doing. But like I don't know, there's just so many different jumps to so many different perspectives. I really felt like I the Brianna stuff was like lost on me completely the first time that I watched it because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was like, who is this little girl? Um, I figured it out, but, but like, it's just, it's just a little, it's a little all over the place. But that said, I think it, it's cool that it tried to do like that cor- corrective. I don't like using that work, word, but like kind of work to like rewrite history to make the, the problems with the first- project. Yeah, that's better. Um, yeah, to just make it make more sense to 2021 and just make the figure of Candyman less confusing, you know, um, as a character in general. Uh, I liked it a lot more the second time around. I like it now that I had to have big giant thoughts about it and read smart people's articles about it. But you're right. It's hard to when a movie requires hours of homework um to to really go home with you so i'm gonna give it like a 3.5 for me maybe yeah 3.5 yeah i think um these are all really interesting totally valid conversations and thoughts and feelings um 
we're listening, I, we're thinking, we're processing. We hear you. We're engaged you. with the work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we hear all for that you. Any artist could sorry. ask. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Thank it's you for late. supporting us. It's late. <laughs> um, I'm being disrupt- dis- disruptive now. <laughs> you're doing get amazing. Rowdy, you're doing a great rowdy. job. So. Um, but I think a lot of, of the complaint that you were saying that you have chance of being like, this is supposed to be a movie by and for black people, but there was so much pandering to white people in it still, um, is unfortunately just like a Hollywood problem that even when black creatives are allowed to tell their stories, there are still white producers being like, but let's make sure that it appeals to all audiences so that it can be marketable and so it can make money and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I was listening to an episode of the podcast for Colored Nerds, um, the Girl Boss in the City episode, and they talked about that a lot with like Black Bestie sitcoms, um, where they were just trying to things, and then they would have to add in all these notes being like, well, you have to explain what you're doing as you're doing it so that the audience understands, because even still studios are like, the audience is white people, though so that's where they mm-hmm. think they need to to cater to, and I, and I think I would love to see what this movie would have been on its own. You know what I mean? Because again, I think a lot of the agenda was just too stuffed. There was too much that they were trying to do. Yeah. Too too much was being asked of them in too many different, sometimes opposing directions um, where you're making a Candyman movie. You know what I mean? You want it to be a Candyman movie, but also if you're reclaiming Candyman you have to throw out so much of the original DNA. So how do you make it a movie that is a good sequel, but also that is rewriting the whole history of it? Um, And I think it's kind of an impossible task. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say the first time I watched it, I just like wasn't really connecting with the movie. Like I enjoyed it, but even though, and I almost never do this, but I, I sat down, like I turned the lights off. I watched it just once for vibes and it just like, it didn't, I didn't get sucked in, in the way that I sometimes do. Um, and then when I rewatched it the second time, I was pausing every five minutes to write down huge swaths of dialogue. So again, it was not conducive to being pulled in. Um, but I really tried to give it my best effort the first time around. And I didn't quite get that. I think it was just too stuffed of a movie and it swapped perspectives too much and it wasn't it didn't linger in any emotions long enough to really have that draw it was too much story it was not enough feeling for me um that said if I just engage with it on an intellectual level having watched it watch 92 watch this one again read 20 articles um if I just engage intellectually, it was really good and it did a lot. And it it did, it again, accomplished a lot of what was being asked of it, at least to a passable level. Like, I don't think it fully failed on any of its directives. I just think in trying to accomplish too many, it really weakened its approach it on some didn't of them. Didn't stick the landing on a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I would also give it like a 3.5 knives out of fives, I think, because I think for what was being asked of the film, it was pretty incredible, but I think there was too much asked. Yeah. Damn, that's Candyman 2021. <laughs> uh, well, Chance, I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the pod. And most, more specifically, thank you for telling us little details about yourself, such as that you're a knife hiding tap dancing man who knows how to cut through bone um, <laughs> or knows how long it takes to cut through bone. Um, you he are a man of mystery and we really appreciate that about you. <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs> Thank you. That's canon now. God damn it. Ugh. It's on the record, yeah, baby. I, you know how I said it. Works. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is fun. Love talking about movies. Also, Chance, if you want to plug your social media so you yeah, can get chance. some clout. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Where can we find clout? you? Oh, I'm sure yeah. you got oh, so God. much. Um, uh, what is my handle? Um, I think <laughs> oh, it's no? Twitter. A Twitter it's, I think it's at, it's at Chancellor Agard. I'll check for you. And then on Instagram, it is the Chancellor underscore or maybe the Chancellor one underscore. I cannot remember which one it is. It's one yeah, of those. Just Chancellor Agard on twitter so confirmed um and then <laughs> on instagram it's the chancellor underscore great great <laughs> that that's what well, it is he's we'll so throw... humble he doesn't even do a plug he doesn't even have his handles memorized to throw well, him out yeah uh, well if you send us those links also to any of the interviews that you mentioned that you did with uh, Nia Jacosta yes. or anyone else we'll put those on our episode notes yeah as well. oh great got got I, that I can do I have them <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like my EW author page. It's like EW.com slash author slash chancellor yeah, underscore yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, Classic, you guys can go et find, find, That is how like, memorized. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you. So the last two weeks, you know, they've been kind of intense. We've had uh, some uh, some big thinkies here on Spooky Tuesday. Um, and my, I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I can speak for Sydney and Chelsea here. Our our little beautiful brains are tired. They need a <laughs> so break. We thought we need a break. We want to just do something vibey, um, but still on topic for the current, you know, the current time. Um, and so we're, we're going into the past. We're going into 1997. We are revisiting the incredible film Anaconda. Um, you might've heard about this movie when it briefly went like, was it viral on TikTok during like season one of the pandemic? Was it? I just remember you guys were Some- talking about it and then you made us watch it with our OG spooky crew. Something happened in 2020 yeah, and people were talking about this movie and I had never heard about it before, but then we all watched it together. Incredible. And it stars our girl JLo and it also has Owen Wilson <laughs> and therefore is incredibly topical because there is a rom-com out right now called Marry Me starring both of them. The most un- uncomfortable pairing, but I will watch that movie one day, but we're not, we're not doing that. On Spooky <laughs> we're doing Anaconda. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, this. I don't know. Marry Me seems like it could be a potential <laughs> horror movie. It's Tuesday. Oh. Table it for later. It's got Maluma. So, I mean, can't be that bad. He's so beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to have a no thoughts, just vibes kind of time next week. Don't worry. So we can all take a deep breath, <laughs> grab a drink, look at a big giant <laughs> snake. I mean, what could go wrong? 
It's a snack. It's a snack. Snickers snack. Yes. Expect us to be doing that all A night. lot of hissing. I promise so not to do that. Don't worry. That, be prepared. Well, Sydney and I will do it I a lot. Will be, I have several so pairs much. of snake earrings too. So I'm so excited to get into a snake outfit. Incredible. Oh, wow. It's going to be a good week. And your reputation. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> dear God, why would you say that? I hate you for that. <laughs> um, well, okay. Um, the same thing we say every week, but why not give us some compliments? You know, we've had all these cool guests for you lately. Why not tell chance how great a job he did by writing us a five-star review on Apple podcasts or on Podchaser or on Spotify. We got some really, really sweet reviews in the last two weeks. So shout outs to you two for sending those to us. Um, it makes us smile. It makes us cry tears of joy. So why not bring us happiness? You know, it's love season, baby. Um, and then why not follow us on social media at spooky underscore Tuesday on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're also at spooky Tuesday pod on Facebook and Tumblr. Forgot the word for Tumblr for a second. And we are also at spooky Tuesday on letterbox and don't forget we have a youtube just spooky tuesday podcast and you'll find our beautiful interview with christian broom don't forget about it um and that's it <laughs> bye spookies oh i stole your spookies thing <laughs> wow uh-oh wow, uh-oh my thunder. I, i'm supposed to say thanks for listening i'm so sorry you got confused. i got the script yeah. i got confused I was Get looking at right. Sydney and I thought I was her for a Brain second. Brain too just, overwhelmed. Yeah. I lost the thread. See, this that's why we're doing the Anaconda because we're tired. <laughs> Bye, spooky. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I am the writing on the walls. I am the sweet smell of blood on the street. The buzz that echoes in the alleyways. They will say I shed innocent blood. You are far from innocent, but they'll say you were. That's all that matters. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. 